During a child's formative years, they generate two to four metric tons of sentimental but worthless doodles, drawings, clay sculptures, and more. We all know it's crap. Primitive techniques, shoddy workmanship, potholders that conduct heat. Yet most parents simply cannot bring themselves to throw anything out. Until now. My name is Michael Burroughs. Four years ago, I founded Shit Tossers, the solution for sentimental but sensible parents who know deep down our kids' priceless artwork is neither artwork nor priceless. At Shit Tossers, our highly trained, emotionally detached staff will come to your home and work with you to take your child's collected works and mercilessly toss them in a trash bin. That's not a cat. Your kid drew a circle with four stick legs and two rudimentary triangles for ears. It's garbage. Let it go. Macaroni glued to the inside of a shoebox? An artless waste of food. Trash it. A ball made out of clay? Wow. Who are you fooling? Every day, kids generate piles of worthless rubbish that fill boxes, bookshelves, closets, attics, and more. Maybe you can't bring yourself to do what needs to be done, but we can. Call Shit Tossers today. Not responsible for tossing abstract art that looks like children's drawings. You're listening to Questionable Material. Produced in New York by Jack Helmuth and Brian Sack. QMPodcast.com Floor Consultants. I was wondering, I, I don't know if the top of my house is a ceiling or if it's a floor. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a common question. I'm glad you called. Uh, so if it's above you, this is the general rule. It's a ceiling. A general rule. That means there are, are exceptions. Uh, there can be exceptions. Like if you're in a tornado and mm-hmm. your house was not properly affixed to the ground, say oh. you're, you know, it was on the ground in Oklahoma and it flips upside down. Well, now your floor is above your head. So yes, it can happen. Does it happen that often? Not really. Did it happen to my aunt Margaret? Yes, it did. Is she alive? No, she isn't. Was the ceiling above her? No, it was below her. Was the floor above her? Yes. Did it fall down and crush her to death? It did. Did the floor then merge with the ceiling, becoming a floor again? Indeed. I'm sorry. I got over it. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to get going now. All right. Uh, Brian, I would like to talk to you about an issue in my family. And that is my cat, as you know, and as our listeners know, I would hope at this point, we uh, adopted a cat back in, uh, the very last week of September. And as we've sort of gotten used to her, I know you're a big cat person. Yeah. Um, as we sort of uh, had her acclimate and stuff, you know, we sort of figured what we'd warm up to her and, and she would sort of warm up to us and everything. Um, well, it is now, you know, the middle of January and I can officially say that I, I, I don't like my cat. I think she's an asshole. I'm over her. Get like a, they have gloves you can use to play with your cat so they can bite and scratch and it won't hurt you. Is there a glove that you can insert the cat into and mail it to like some other facility that deals with it? So you want to give what you have a little kitten and you want to get rid of it. What about the rest of the family? Well, she's she's huge now. First of all, uh, I mean, the rest of the family hasn't warmed up to her. But like, look, 
it's my house. Those kids don't pay a damn bill. So this is going to be my my call. So I, I need your help. Wow. I need to figure out some ways to, to remove the cat in a way that the kids will never know that I've gotten rid of it. So it's, you well, know, it needs to look like an accident right. or I, I need like some foolproof excuses. What are some ways I can get rid of this cat and not get caught in the act? Just reminding you that you'd be doing this on a podcast that at some point in the future, your children might listen to and realize that it was their daddy and not the cat that was the asshole. I don't let my children listen to this filth. Okay. <laughs> so you've got a cat. You're, you haven't, you haven't uh, gemmed onto it, as we say in the cat business. God, uh, I didn't know there. How is cat business lately? Pretty good, actually. A lot of people want the COVID pets. Yes, and uh, they're they're at home. They they want something to to play with, to stroke, to to feed, to you know get on their hands and knees and the litter box and scoop up the the endless endless copious amounts of fecal matter that contains toxoplasmosis. <laughs> yeah, I want, except for that last part, I want to be that person for someone. You want to be the provider of a kitten for someone else. No, no. Well, yes, that too. But I also want to be the person at, like, what a life you just, so I want someone to play with me. I want someone to stroke me and I want someone to just feed me. And I mean, yeah, and, and clean up, clean up my poops would be, I mean, that's not something I enjoy. So yeah, I would like to be someone's cat. If, if someone's so lonely, how can I meet some uh, some lonely people as well? I know that's a side topic, yep. but I'm really excited by the what you just laid out. Well, uh, Tinder, Grinder, you name it, Match, Plenty of Fish. That's a way to meet someone who wants someone who's like a cat. Okay, is there any sort of specific site or um, or service that I could use? Because keep in mind, I'm also married. Oh yeah, yeah. Now that's a thing you need to discuss right away with your your wife. I'd rather not because it's amazing how many women don't like you going off and pretending you're a cat with other women. <sighs> My okay. wife and I fought about it for years. And who won? I, well, you know, I, I was like, honey, I'm a Maine Coon and you, uh, you can't keep me from doing what I do, which is I want to curl up in a lap. She so happens to have a lap that, that I like. I want to curl up in that and take a little nap. And my wife was like, get back in the car, get, get, get in the car now. <laughs> And then I finally caved Uh huh. because it's okay. embarrassing. You got the kids in the back seat. They have their friends from school. All oh, they man. see. Yeah. Daddy acting like a kitty cat from Maine, a Maine coon. And, uh, and they just, you know, it was humiliating for them. I could see the sadness in their eyes, the way they're looking yeah. at their dad saying, wow, why is, why is my dad doing this to me in front of my friends? Same reason I stopped shuffling out to the bus with my pants around my ankles. <laughs> kids remember that they, they don't forget. They tease these middle school, high school kids. They tease, tease, tease. Oh, your daddy's the pant ankle guy. Yeah, he is. And I was proud of it. But now yeah, my kids feel ashamed. Well, don't let those bullies determine how you live your life. You know, I, I pointed out that in the city, uh, half the population walks around with their pants under their butt. All right. With yeah. their butt sitting over their pants. And I took it a step further. I said, if you think that's cool. How about this? And I pulled my pants all the way down to my ankles and I shuffle around. And, and that's with your business, just sort of uh, uh, dangling, dangling about. Uh, it depends which side of the boxers I use. Uh, as you know, I have the open hole boxers yeah, for emergencies. Yeah. But if I put them the wrong way on, well, there's Mr. Sunshine out for all the people to see. <laughs> what describe your last emergency. 
My last emergency was uh, I was actually at my kid's school and they blew the lunch horn <laughs> and I had to scramble to the, the, the new bathroom in the new building they just built. And mm -hmm. if that's not a callback, then I don't know what is. That's a heck of a callback. Thank you. <laughs> Great callback to last episode. Uh, okay. All right. Fine. Well, look, again, I don't let those bullies tell you how to live your life. I, you know, and if your kids are, are such a lightweight that they can't handle a little teasing, like what sort of teasing do they get? Like what's happened to your kids in school based on your behaviors? Oh, well, they got shanked. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh huh. The 13 year old. What happens to the older one? The 16 year old. He shanked him. <laughs> He, uh, he didn't want to see his younger brother grow up in this household. That was his logic. So it was a loving act. It, he, he claimed to me and to his mother and to the judge uh, that it was an act of love. He was trying to prevent his 13-year-old from some, you know, quote-unquote trauma of growing up in my household. Um, so, yeah, he, he shanked him right out there, right as uh, all the kids were getting off the bus. Huge scene. Screaming Jeez. tears, you know, the whole school had to go into therapy, lockdown, counseling. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Yeah. And now I'm the guy on campus. Oh, that's, that's, that's your, this Shanker's dad. Yeah. Pants around the ankles, Shanker's dad. Yeah. That's, and that's, you know, it's a mouthful, but that's what I am. <laughs> Pants around the ankles, Shanker's dad. <laughs> and I think we have a title. <laughs> we have a title of the episode. Wow, we're getting meta this episode. Wow. No, let's leave that in. Um, here's the thing. Let's leave in me saying let's leave it in to show just how meta we're being today. Ooh, and is, let's leave that in. A crazy episode. Let's not take that out too. Right. Okay. Great. Done. Now, here's the thing. Back to this original flimsy premise. Yes. What? <laughs> I need to get rid of this cat and I need to do it in a way that's clean and I need to do it in a way that my kids aren't going to sort of figure out what I did. So okay. easy uh, fix. I need advice. Oh, it's easy. Good. Easy fix. Uh, well, what you do, you have a printer and a computer. Yeah. Yes. And I notice a computer with a camera that works so I can actually see you now. So that's great. We're moving up. Thank you. Thank you. So you're going to print out a piece of paper that says, congratulations, you've won. <laughs> and it's a, Free trip for one to Catropolis. <laughs> Catropolis is a mega city for cats only. It's 300 <laughs> miles southwest of Chicago. Okay. Uh, and it is filled with scratching posts. And uh, I'll give you all the stuff to write. You know, it's got scratching posts galore and a variety of foods, some with gravy, some pate. I mean, just fantastic, delicious foods and mice galore to chase and birds to kill. Birds it, with broken wings. Yeah, but they can't get away. It's a fantastic place for cats. And your cat, what's your cat's name? Uh, Kiki. Kiki. So Kiki, you, congratulations, Kiki. You have won a trip to Catropolis, yada, yada. And what you're going to do is you're going to mail that to your cat, Kiki, at your address. You're going to open up. You're going to walk into the house in front of all the kids. Like, oh my God, Kiki got a letter. What's this from? You open up and you read about her exciting trip to Catropolis. Then what you do is you take the cat to the quote unquote airport for her trip. 
And you come back and you tell the kids, you know, she's super excited. She couldn't wait. She should have seen her face on the plane. She'd never flown before. She couldn't wait to go to Catropolis. She's having the time of her life. Uh, and then a couple of days later, when the kids are watching their TV show, you burst into the room in tears. And if you want tears, just rub uh, onion under your eyes and you'll have tears. Okay. And you'll say those goddamn North Koreans. And your kids are going to look up and they're going to say, what? What did Kim Jong-un do? And you're going to say, he nuked Catropolis. <laughs> and the kids go, what, what does that mean, daddy? What does that mean? That means Kiki's dead. There's no way Kiki could have survived. It was a 45 megaton blast. And you'd cry some more. And you say, well, at least it was very quick and painless. Man. And then you move on. And the kids learn not to trust North Korea. <laughs> and they, they understand that death is a part of life. That's pretty. Um, but what happens if we're like taking a cross country trip and we're going 300 miles southwest of Chicago, because that's as close as I'll let my family get to that shithole city. Um, <laughs> so what if we're driving through, and, and we go through Catropolis and it's still standing? Uh, that, and they see that it clearly wasn't decimated by a nuclear uh, bomb. Well, I mean, you're going to say we, we've had a, a fantastic rebuilding program. Uh, and the fact of the matter is we were able to rebuild. We lost hundreds of thousands of cats when Catropolis was nuked <laughs> by the DPRK. But we are overcoming. And it's a, it's a sign. Of, it's our resilience. We're showing how resilient you are. And so you can give them a lecture on resilience, the resilience to, to not shed tears about Kiki's loss and to, uh, to rebuild when a big city is destroyed. Yeah. Okay. I guess it makes a lot of sense. Um, it makes sense to me. <laughs> I, I challenge anyone to find a hole in this plan. I mean, it's, it's really great. Thank you. Now let, let's get, let's get on to the, uh, to the, the, the darker side of this. What do I actually do with Kiki? Oh, that part. Yeah. Well, that's what's going to happen between, you know, right after you, quote unquote, go to the airport. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So you're going to take your cat, Kiki. And cats, you know, have a sense of direction. Mm -hmm. They can find their way back. Yeah. Scary. Not if they're in a purse. Uh-huh. So does your wife probably has several purses. Yep. You pick, it's a classic. Pick one. You, you know, she doesn't use that often. Sure. That she might not mind the interior being scratched uh, to oblivion. Mm -hmm. And you take Kiki and you put her in the purse. Okay. And good. you hit the road and you drive for a solid two hours. And you look for a place with woods. And when you get into a wooded area, you look for a gas station, a remote gas station on a side road. Maybe yeah. beat down with a pump from the 60s. It doesn't even mm -hmm. look like it'll work. And there'll be some guy working there and he's in overalls. He's an older man and he's looking very rural to you. And you're just going to say, excuse me, sir. Do you think there are coyotes in these parts? <laughs> and he's going to say, yeah, I believe there are. I've seen some black bears too. And then you're going to say, great. And you're going to open up that purse and dump Kiki on the ground <laughs> and say, go. And then you hop back in your car and you drive away. Right. It, see, that's a good plan. I'm not sure it's a great one because then there is the fear. There will always be that doubt in my mind. You know, every time the doorbell rings, I'm going to be afraid it's her. 
You know, just that little, that little, that, that last thread isn't tied. It would take an awful long time for Kiki to make her way back to your house. And if she did, it would be a sign, one, that she's very intelligent, and two, that she's incredibly vengeful. <laughs> so I would be scared. Yeah. Which is why, let's forget about the dropping her off with the coyotes thing, and we'll go straight to the shovel. <laughs> so you're talking to the old man, you say, are there coyotes around these parts? He says, uh, yeah, I believe there are, and maybe some bears too. Uh -huh. And I say, great, do you have a shovel, sir? <laughs> and he probably will. It's a service station. He's got some kind of implement and he'll uh -huh. loan you the shovel and you just start beating the purse with the shovel. <laughs> and then you give him back the shovel and you open up the purse and you dump it on the ground. You say, that's coyote food. And then you get back in your car and you drive home. <laughs> that it seems like I've wasted a lot of gas just for that outcome. What what do I do with the, the gas station guy? Because, you know, he's borrowed a shovel. He's kind of just watched me. It probably won't be recognizable what was in the purse. Yeah. But he'll know I just did a, a pretty heinous act. I mean, let's. You're right. Let's be. Uh, so I just like, you know, do, how do you, I mean, do you pay him off? What, what do you do? So you have a printer, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, no, it's established. So you're going to get a printer. And you're going to write a letter. Congratulations. Maybe his name's Hank. If it says Hank's service station, it probably is. Yeah. Congratulations, Hank. You've won an all expenses paid trip to Hanktropolis. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, I don't know if you've been following the news, um, but there, there's been actually uh, this very strange thing that's going on right now where there is a little bit of news that is not about Donald Trump. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because uh, they're now running some stories about Joe, you know, this Joe Biden character? Heard of him. Yeah, so he uh, uh, was just sworn in as president. And what they've been uh, releasing over the last couple of days, you know, over the last week or so, are a lot of his plans for his first 24 hours and his first hundred days in office. Uh -huh. And one of the things that's uh, happening, it's going to happen uh, right away upon um, in his first uh, hours in office is he's going to sign a ton of executive orders. Fantastic. Those can yes. never be abused. Yeah. It's, it's foolproof. It's uh, good because it helps democracy. you get around Congress and stuff. Yeah. Isn't it great when you just have one sort of ruling branch? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. Which is why I'm so excited that and and you apparently being on the inside of um you know of of the thinking within the campaign, you know a lot of the obviously there have been things about immigration. There's going to be executive orders on immigration, uh, re-entering the Paris Climate Accord, things like that. But you know of a lot of the other um, executive orders that he's going to be signing. And I'd love for you to sort of shed some light on some other things that we can expect here in the first days of the new administration. Sure. Uh, you said there's going to be some sort of big executive order on um, on free speech uh, on the internet, like on, on Twitter and, and and website and and social media sites like that. What what, what can we expect there? Well, uh, this executive order is going to blanket allow free speech as just as long as it's not hurtful. Oh, so you can say great. whatever you want as long as it doesn't offend anybody anywhere, including mm -hmm. China. Uh, Mexico and, and all other countries. 
Oh, that's great. Well, I mean, I love free speech. That is there a, a a list of some of these things that might be a little bit too offensive? It really it's uh, it's on an uh, as you say it basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So whatever you say will be processed through algorithms that'll be designed by our trustable uh, tech folks like Google. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'll run through some filters to make sure that no one on the planet would be offended by the thing that you might have said. That's, this way, that's we, ins- use of technology. we ensure that there's no exposure of to anyone's, uh, that people are not exposed to things they don't like to hear or see. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's got the potential for some blowback, but blowback is a word I wouldn't be able to use. <laughs> it's offensive. Is it? To people who are anti fellatio. Um, I, I'll, I'll, I won't say who, but I'm close to one of those people. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Fair enough. Fine. Now you said there was a, a, an executive order coming out, um, that's going to go even further on, uh, on immigration reform than, uh, than has previously been announced that it's going to be radical and forget, you know, a, a lot of people think that what has been released is radical. I'm not here to say one way or the other, but you, you've told me that there is a new plan that is so radical that even liberals might be like, whoa, that's too much. Tell me what, what they're planning. Well, they're going to, everyone will be issued a passport, whether or mm-hmm. not you don't have to apply for a passport anyone anymore. Okay. Uh, you'll have a passport sent to you. It'll take longer, obviously, if you live in Senegal or Russia or India or New Guinea, but you'll get it. So it's everyone on the planet. Yeah, they'll be issuing 7 billion passports. (laughs) Okay. It's going to be really beneficial to have one to 4 billion people come in. And of course, when they sign their oath of thank you-ness, which is another executive order, uh, that does commit them. It registers them as Democrats. And does obligate them to vote uh, for the party that uh, allowed them to come here uh, for a minimum of 12 years. Wow. So, <laughs> so, so it obligates them to well, vote. Well, your vote down the Democratic ticket is your way of saying thanks. Uh, you said there was um, uh, an executive order on, uh, on COVID policies that, uh, again, um, uh, maybe too far reaching in scope. Now I'm, I'm certainly a COVID believer, but, uh, but you said that even I would think that this is a step too far. What, what are some of their, um, their COVID executive action plans? Uh, yeah, there's an executive order that requires all of us to start our mornings with the same balanced breakfast. Oh, and the idea is, you know, it's, it's part of his healing initiative. So, you know, we're, we're a very fractured country. You ha- it's very tribal these days, you know, red, mm-hmm. blue, uh, uh, Republican, Democrat, conservative, you know, just very, very tribal and, and not, and this is a way of unifying us through breakfast, <laughs> you know, because everything's so fractured. We don't have things to talk about. We don't have things in common anymore. And the idea is, oh, did you have toast this morning? Well, yes, I did. Well, so did I. And did you have a glass of orange juice? Yes, I did. And did you have an egg? I certainly did. And now we have something to start our day with that we have in common. 
because most of it, we don't listen to the same music anymore. We we watch different TV shows because there are 6,000 networks. We read different things. We have our echo chamber websites. We, we lack a lot in common with people. And this way mm -hmm. we are united in breakfast. You know, I, I'm not sure it's the government's place to tell you what to eat. Uh, well, that's another executive order. <laughs> Which is what? It dictates that it is the government's place to tell you what to eat. Oh, so shoot. once that's enacted, you would be wrong. Oh, Currently, I, I guess so. At the moment, you are correct. Okay, well, that's, see, this is this is the sort of thing it's good to know ahead of time. I know there's one that's going to be a little controversial. Okay. But it's only fair. Oh, I, well, I'm a fan of fairness. Well, in that case, uh, you're going to, you know, we'll all be driving uh, the Ford Equity. <laughs> well, okay. A Ford American-made car. Uh, it's okay. A, it's an American-made car, and it looks just like everybody else's car. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, they're all in like a deep blue. Okay. And uh, they all have the same gray interior. <laughs> and they all get uh, 32 miles per gallon. Not bad. And the idea of that, you know, you, there's a lot of car inequality. When you're driving, I think you notice this. I was driving in Manhattan on Saturday morning mm -hmm. and I was behind a McLaren. Ooh. And as you know, that's a very expensive car. Yeah. Very, very expensive. And I couldn't help but think that. I don't have that car and that's kind of sad. Right. And I looked to the guy uh, to the right was a, a guy in a geo mm -hmm. and, and to the left in that stupid cube car. Yeah. That was yeah. terrible. Yeah. And I almost drove him off the road just cause I saw the cube car, but we kind of made eye contact and then we all looked at the McLaren and we made that universal gesture for this isn't fair, is it? And yeah. So I think the Ford equity is going to solve that when we're all on the road, wherever you look, left, right, front, back, we're all driving the same thing. Uh, that's, uh, that's great. I mean, the last thing I want to do while I'm driving is feeling sad. Yeah. yeah and this, this is a way I you don't feel like you're less successful or more successful. You just feel like you're another driver on the road or somebody standing in a parking lot filled with 18,000 blue cars going, <laughs> where the fuck is my car? <laughs> But there, you should probably come up with an executive order in the future to sort of solve that problem. And in a way, it's actually another unifier because we all have the same car. We're right. all standing in the parking lot going, where the hell is my car? I don't know where my car is. And you're going to meet other people in the same predicament. Oh, do you know where my car is? No, I have no idea. Have you seen my car? No. What does it look like? And you just gesture to the whole parking lot because they're all the same. <laughs> and then you go, geez, I don't know what to do. What did you have for breakfast this morning? <laughs> all these executive orders are about unification yep there we go i i see it now i, I <laughs> you know you give a passport to every single person in the world you're all americans now we're unified yep. it doesn't matter where i am in the world i i'm walking down the street and i'm talking to americans they might speak a completely different language they might try to kidnap me and cut my head off, but they are Americans. <laughs> Those are the Somali pirate Americans. Yeah, they're Somali pirate Americans. And, you know, <laughs> we, there's going to be a sense of unity no matter where you are on this planet. 
Oh. International Space Station. You're not in there with Russians and Chinese and an Indian guy. You're all Americans. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, gosh, that's inspiring. This is great. And you said there was um, uh, some uh, some income inequality executive orders coming to also sort of really um, unify everybody. Yeah. As you know, um, uh, different people have for a long time been making different amounts of money. I know. You have some people, I remember, I remember when I got out of college and I was making $18,000 a year and my friend Steve was making $40,000 a year. How's that fair? And I wasn't, and granted he lived in New York and his rent was 600 times my rent. And he was basically dependent on uh, pizza slice specials to live. Yeah. While I had a two bedroom apartment in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. But it still wasn't fair. And I kept telling him that and I kept saying that. And I even spent money on billboards <laughs> that really didn't get the message across because it just said it isn't fair. I should have said, explain what I was talking about or had a website. But but a know. billboard in Atlanta, Georgia, you know, it's only about $15, $20. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you in see New York the one- City, that'd be $1,000, $2,000. Right. Which is why all my anti de Blasio billboards are down in Atlanta. <laughs> smart. That's That's smart. But yeah, it's it's unfair. And so obviously the solution is the tried and tested and true solution that we've seen time and again is for everybody to make the same amount of money. Smart. So this $15 minimum wage, I think you you might have assumed it just applied to people uh, entering McDonald's, uh, you know, entry level positions there, food service, things like that. It's actually for all of us. Oof, I may not be a big fan of equality and unification in that way. I, I work in TV and at times, and those times when I'm employed make, make uh, considerably more than that. I, is there any way to avoid this executive action? Uh, well, I mean, the, really the tried and true method is to run for president and then cancel out your predecessor's executive orders. Yeah, I've heard that's a popular thing these days. <sighs> so I need to run for president if I want to, Go back to making a semi-decent living? It's really the best way to do it. <sighs> Damn. All right. Well, can I count on your vote? Uh, you cannot, because I'm also running for president. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and that's another way what? we're all going to be united. We're all going to be running for president. Oh. All so the, the Americans. are going to be a bitch, man. Jack, guess what? Uh, oh, what, what, what? Well, I was reading the newspaper, the New York Post. Yeah, I know the New York and, Post. And there was an article about a, a, a murder-suicide guy Guy killed <laughs> his mother-in-law and his daughter, 14-year-old daughter, and then himself, and shot his wife. And, I'm right, and, and this is true. And it's true. And I'm reading the article, and I was like, oh, my God, that's Bob. Excuse me? It's the, it's the guy who owned the beer store that I've been going to for eight years. Wait, the, you, you, you shop for bears in the city? Beers. Yeah. Bear, they, they, they shouldn't sell bears in a city. I could, one could get loose and just kill everybody. I mean, it'd make much more sense to run a beer store where you uh, get the alcoholic beverage beer, but a bear store is a terrible idea. I said it right. Beer. Yeah. <laughs> Am I not saying it right? You have never, not since our TV show days, have you been able to get this word consistently right? Beer. Beer. Yes. Yeah, that's what I said. 
No, really listen back when you edit this thing. Oh, you murdered my story. <laughs> sort of like, sort of like Bob murdered his wife and, and daughter. Yeah. <laughs> and himself. So, so the, the beer store guy, uh, that, you know, yeah. He killed his mother-in-law, his 14-year-old daughter, and then himself, and shot his wife, but only got her arm. The person he was most mad at. But what's crazy, like, he was a super nice guy. Like, he was the guy, so, like, there's this Polish beer called Zivietz, right? Okay. And uh, so he'd order it special for me, and he'd call, he'd pick up the phone, he'd call, he'd be like, yes, Zywiek Poland beer, Zywiek Poland beer. And that's how he, he would order my Zivietz Polish beer. And he was very, last time I talked to him, he said, I said, well, business must be booming. He's like, yes, everybody's drinking, you know, as he was very, because <laughs> of COVID. And, uh, and now he, he's dead and he, he killed his mother-in-law and daughter. Like, what the hell, man? Do you think it's because he has customers who can't just drink a Michelob Ultra and have to order freaking Polish beer? You know, I haven't thought about that, but you're right. Maybe I'm, I, I'm complicit in this. I was a difficult customer, maybe. Maybe. He had, he had all this Sam Adams stacked up, and I come in and go, do you have Zhiviets? <laughs> I want Zhiviets. I don't, oh I don't know how to say it. Uh, yeah, sad. What the hell, uh, he, man? He, he probably looked at his family, his sweet, his sweet family, and, and saw your dopey face, thirsty for alcohol with your tongue all swollen, and just thought, I've got to kill my, my tormentor. I guess so. I don't know, man. Just freaky. It's weird. That's crazy. To, and so how often would you see this guy? Daily. It's a beer store. <laughs> uh, no, like, you know, in the in the summertime, which would be prime beer drinking time. And, and also when I'm up here the most uh-huh. I'm upstate, I would be there weekly. You know, I'd, I'd pop into town. It's about 15 minutes away and I'd pop in and, you know, grab some beer for the weekend. So that was a, you know, I I saw him a lot. Why did you improvise such a, such a sad bit? (laughs) It's true. I wish it was fake. (laughs) I wish it was fake too. I wish Bob was there for my Zaviak Poland beer. (laughs) Well, I mean, at least, uh, I mean, maybe his wife will be there. Maybe I'll go in the beer business. Oh, it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea at all. You know, uh, there's an opening. Oh, in, in his head. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, that's that's the, that's the inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> that's the inappropriate police calling to say we got to end this. Call from Donna. And, oh my God, that's my mother-in-law. That's, that's a sign. literally my mother-in-law calling. That's a sign from Jeebus. Oh my gosh, Jeebus wants us to leave this sad story in just to, as something different. Okay. All right, fine. Consider it done. Rest in peace, Bob. Rest in peace, Bob. And your family that you murdered. <laughs> I've been keeping track of some of these news items that have been slipping through the cracks. You know why? Oh, I can't imagine why. Why? Because the you know obviously every every news cycle gets overwhelmed by Donald Trump, so he's always top of the news cycle, and all the other stuff just filters out. Wait a second. I guess that's not going to be true anymore. I was waiting for our next news you missed, so I could point that out. This might have to be the last one with this premise. I guess so. We're going to have to change the premise for this bit. Yeah, but it still works for today. Yeah, let's do it. Ready for the sound? 
Uh, yeah, I love the sound. It's the only reason I tune in. Well, it's official. The Biden presidency is the greatest in American history. According to articles in the New York Times, Washington Post, Teen Vogue, Vanity Fair, Oh, the Oprah Magazine, The New Yorker, <laughs> Rolling Stone, Time, and 38 other publications, the president's first days in office have been unparalleled in their greatness and awesomeness. On Thursday, after the inauguration, CNN devoted a full day of programming to hailing the brilliance and healing powers of the leader of the free world. While over at MSNBC, Joy Reid and Joe Scarborough made sweet, sweet love to a realistic and functional silicone model of the 46th president, while Chris Hayes and Rachel Maddow wept tears of joy. The New York Times announced that next week they'll be publishing the groundbreaking 2021 project, which explains how America's true founding was not in 1776, but in 2021, when the greatest president in the history of the American experiment came to power. Meanwhile, some terrible sourpuss named David Harsanyi over at the National Review criticized the much-deserved praise as being, quote, a little too much and a little too early, end quote, in an opinion piece. But his hate speech was quickly scrubbed from existence when Amazon Web Services abruptly removed National Review and 14 other right-wing hate sites from their servers. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's a that's a big story. I can't believe I missed that. Yeah, no, it's a shame. I mean, it's crazy that you didn't you didn't see that. But you know, it, it, it's been crazy. It's been crazy lately. It's it has been absolutely crazy. I, it, could you do me a favor? Yeah. Uh, remind me not to watch MSNBC on Thursday. Okay. <laughs> I I don't I don't need to see that. Uh. uh then that's it. I guess if that's such a big story, that's that must be all the news I missed. No, it's not. There's even more. Get out of town. I'm going to give it to you, town. (laughs) The COVID-19 vaccine rollout has not gone as smoothly as expected, with many people complaining of tremendous difficulty in making appointments for the vaccine, as well as absurdly long waits at vaccination facilities. On top of those issues, many vaccine distribution centers are understaffed and have strict limits on who can be vaccinated. Obviously, politicians and celebrities are at the front of the line, followed by first responders, Elon Musk, teachers union executives, and anyone over 65 years of age. And because of legal threats made by some governors, these rules often lead to vaccines going to waste rather than letting them be used on someone who did not qualify. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, brother to CNN's intellectual heavyweight Chris Cuomo, says that the (laughs) Empire State is ahead of the curve in vaccinations because under his governorship, all the individuals most at risk have already died. At a recent press conference. <laughs> at so, a re- that's okay. It happens. It happens, Jack. Sometimes you laugh during these. Yeah, it makes me sad. I, and you know my response sometimes when I'm so sad, I, I laugh. Continue. Sorry. At a recent press conference, Cuomo, nicknamed the Love Gov by most of the media and a handful of people who don't pay attention to things, violently shattered vials of the vaccine against a brick wall, screaming that the state has no need for it because the important people already have it and no one else matters. The governor ended the press conference by offering a discount price on copies of his latest book detailing his triumph over the coronavirus, which came out right before the devastating second wave and a sexual harassment allegation. (laughs) Man, it's, it's almost as if like 
I, I mean, you, you don't just make up the news, obviously, but that that almost feels like uh, the type of thing someone like you who hates Cuomo would write. Yeah, I'm just I love when I find something, a news item like this, because I am not a big fan of, of Governor Cuomo. Really yeah. think he's a terrible person. No, I know you and do. I'm it's pretty sure I'm, glad you could- I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. <laughs> Normally, you don't shove your beliefs down people's throats, but this seems to be one you really cling to. Yeah, not a Biden fan. I mean, oops. wait. Yeah, not a, <laughs> that too. But uh, yeah, not a, not a big Cuomo fan. Not a Cuomo fan. Yeah, I know you're. Not. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I, I don't like him. Well, it's so great that you're able to find a story that matches your views. Yeah, that's great. Uh, oh, here's no. another one. Ready? No. Yeah, listen. Is it music? Yeah, here it is. A Biden official put out a call for sexy, colorblind lesbians with three or fewer limbs in order to meet their diversity staffing goals for the 46th president's new administration. According to Stacey Running Horse, the first dyslexic, gluten intolerant, <laughs> epileptic Native American to work in the White House, the administration was having great difficulty locating sexy, colorblind lesbians who were short one or more limbs. <laughs> Running Horse says that despite the difficulty in locating a sexy, colorblind lesbian amputee, they will not look elsewhere so that they can achieve their priority goal of creating the most diverse administration in the history of not just the United States, but the entire world. During a press conference held by Interim Press Secretary Ben Stevenson, a lactose intolerant atheist with lupus, the administration is willing to overlook any professional shortcomings as long as you're a sexy, colorblind lesbian with three or fewer limbs. The decision was hailed by people who attended schools that had no entrance requirements. <laughs> uh, oh, I mean, look, if they need like sexy lesbian uh, amputees, I have a ton of websites bookmarked and they should just call old Uncle Jack. I will pass it on to his press secretary. Please do. Man, running horse, you say. <laughs> Stacy running horse. Stacy running, running horse. horse. <laughs> The first dyslexic, gluten intolerant, epileptic Native American to work in the White House. That's, that, see, that's great. There, there are so many people who don't know what it's like to have a wallet in their mouth. And I sort of feel like we need to we need that voice w- when it's working to sort of be able to, to speak out. That's right. That's important. Oh, another one. No, get out of there. Are four. Yeah, sh- Usually comedy is in threes in our meta episode. There's four. Yeah. Listen. Outgoing President Donald Trump committed to a peaceful but dicky transfer of power this week, ending his presidency with a mix of petulance, taunting, and hard-to-remove stains. Prior to exiting the White House for the last time, President Trump used the Oval Office phone to make several mean-spirited and expensive phone calls to world leaders, telling German Chancellor Angela Merkel that she had, quote, cankles like I've never seen, end quote, and letting the Duke of Luxembourg know that his country was, quote, tiny and filled with losers, end quote. Trump scuffed his feet on the Oval Office carpet and deliberately walked around eating an everything bagel with no plate, knowing that the floor would be littered with crumbs. As he boarded the Marine One helicopter to fly to Andrews Air Force Base, he passed gas in the direction of a largely hostile press corps before giving the entire city of Washington, D.C. the finger. It was the dickiest transfer of power since 2000 when outgoing Clinton staff defiantly removed the letter W from all West Wing computer keyboards. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. I do remember that. Yeah. That's, 
That's such what a dicky passive aggressive thing to do. But I'll tell you what, it's worse eating an everything bagel without a plate. And that's so messy. That's a capital crime. Intolerably messy. Crazy. That's disgusting. Crazy. Well, I tell you, I guess the things that people say about Donald Trump are true. If that's the case. Yep. That was the news, Jack. That's amazing. I can't believe I missed all that. And Brian, I thank you for your service uh, to your podcast. And less importantly, your country in bringing this news to us. You know, it, it, it was hard to find, but it was there and I found it and I spread it. And I'm glad everybody got a chance to hear the other things that happened uh, during this presidency. And and now this, that, you know, I'm assuming that there's going to be so much fawning over the Biden presidency uh, that there will also be news you missed. Well, Brian, you are a super spreader of great information. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. I love super spreading information that it's important for people to know. Keep coughing in the wind, pal. (laughs) That was questionable material. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Make sure to review the podcast. Make sure to visit qmpodcast.com 